The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Oh, Luna, how do you get so high? Welcome to Why We Are Here with empowerment coach, energy healer, and visionary author Sharon Rose Washington. Why We Are Here is a portal of heartfelt communication designed to inspire you with expansive words of wisdom, personal insight, and open candor from luminary guests around the world. Now, here's your host, Sharon Rose Washington. Hello, and welcome to Why We Are Here. I'm your host, Sharon Rose Washington. You've now entered into that comfortable atmosphere where luminaries from around the world join us to share their contributions, findings, and opinions. Today, we are celebrating a remarkable trailblazer in the field of the arts and entertainment. Our stellar guest, Robert Hooks, is a diverse actor known for television, motion picture, and the stage. He has starred in television's original series, NYPD, also the motion picture Star Trek III, The Search for Spock where he played Fleet Admiral Harry Morrow, and he co-starred alongside Wesley Snipes, Elizabeth Hurley, and Tom Sizemore in Passenger 57, which, by the way, was directed by Robert's very own son, Kevin Hooks. Robert Hooks was the first African-American lead on a television drama, the original NYPD. He has received both the Pioneer and the NAACP Image Award for Lifetime Achievement and has been inducted into the Black Filmmakers Hall of Fame. He has also won an Emmy for his PBS special, Voices of Our People. His contribution, brilliance, and humility as an actor, producer, and activist is one of the main reasons I've asked him on the show. He's also a great friend. Hello, Robert. Welcome to Why We Are Here. Hey, Sharon. Thank you very much for having me on your show. I understand it's just an amazing performance by you, my dear. Thank you. Well, we're celebrating you. And (laughs) we are. We're celebrating you. You have an amazing career that's expanded over in 100 roles in film, television, stage. And you're a family man with uh, great children that are following in your footsteps and a beautiful wife, actress Lori Marlowe. Has it been a remarkable ride and could it get any better? Well, it's been a remarkable ride for sure. I mean, I've, I've been very fortunate to be able to do the spectrum. I started on the stage. I then moved to television and then to film. And then, of course, back to stage, television, film. And it's been going that way for many, many years. So, yes, I've, you know, I'm, I'm basically a stage actor. And, you know, I think they're, they're the actors that are more disciplined than just your film actors. But, no, I'm happy with my career. I'm happy with the things that I've done in the industry, and I'm happy more than the things that I've done. I'm more happy uh, with the things that I've done for other performers and other artists in the industry. 
Yeah, beautiful. Kevin and I, uh, our engineer today, we were talking about uh, your movie, that uh, amazing movie, Hurry Sundown, and the cast. Uh. And, yeah, and produced by Otto Preminger, and he was saying how much he admired Otto Preminger and how his movies, we both agreed that, it, that he doesn't use a lot of different locations. It's almost like a stage play. Uh, can you talk about the cast and, and your, you know, everything in that particular film, Hurry Sundown? Well, yeah. I mean, I, you know, first of all, my Hurry Sundown was one of the one of the great experiences. Also, one of the most horrific experiences making the film in you know in the Ku Klux Klan land of Louisiana uh, uh, back in the day. But just to start off with Otto, uh, I I was cast in the movie uh, after Otto Priminger saw me in a play on Broadway. And, I, and it's funny, we're sitting in Sardis, which is where we go to read the reviews after the, after the opening night. And all of a sudden, Vincent Sardi brings a telephone over to our table. And I had seen him do this, bringing telephones to big stars and all. And I never thought I'd see him bring a telephone <laughs> over to my booth. And all of a sudden, he handed me the phone. I thought it was a joke. And then I said, hello, this is Robert Hooks. And I heard this voice on the other end saying, oh, Robert, this is, this is Otto Preminger calling. <laughs> I thought somebody was playing a joke on me. I had no idea that it was Otto Preminger, one of the great producers and directors in film, and one of my, one of, actually one of my favorite directors. And I thought, okay, who is this? <laughs> and uh, it turned out there was indeed Otto. He said, I, I saw the film tonight, and uh, I'd like for you to be in this movie that I'm producing in, uh, in Louisiana called Hurry Sundown, and I'd like for you to play opposite Diane Carroll. And he was telling me the other people that were in the movie. And not only that, he prefaced the whole thing by saying, all of the names of the stars will be above the title. And he mm. said, there's Jane Fonda, there's Michael Caine, there's Faye Dunaway, there's John Philip Law, there's Diane Carroll, there's yourself, there's Burgess Meredith and, and Madeline uh, Sherwood, and, and he just went on and on and on. Mm. And I thought, this can't be real. But it was. It was real. And he said, come to my office tomorrow at Paramount. And so I went to his office the next day, and long story short, I got the role, uh, and... Uh, you know, we went south to shoot the movie, and it was it was an amazing uh, experience for me. Uh, being my actually, I'd done a film before that, but never a big Hollywood film. The film I did before that was a film uh, that Dick Gregory and I uh, performed together, uh, and uh, it was called Sweet Love Bitter, mm. uh, from a movie by from a book by John uh, Williams. Uh, and um, and Diane Varsity was also in that movie. That was my first feature, but this was my first big Hollywood feature. And uh, above the title, I want to tell you, and that, of mm. course, was very, very thrilling. So we went south, and we were down south for, I don't know, maybe eight weeks. Uh, it's all in my book, and the experience with the Ku Klux Klan and being shot at, and, 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 and uh, oh, it was just a horrific time shooting the film. But working with Otto and working with these great actors was just an incredible uh, time for me as an artist. 
That's beautiful for you to share that with us. Thank you so much for that. It was something uh, else. Now, you joined up again uh, on the hit show Dynasty uh, with Diane Carroll again, yes? Well, I did do uh, one episode of Dynasty, but, but uh, that was, it, I mean, that was not, uh, that was just an episodic that I did. Uh, I mean, I've done tons and tons of television. Dynasty was just one episode, and I did indeed play opposite Diane, but, but no, that was not one of the feature, one of the uh, episodics that, that I really did. I did several episodics, but uh, yes, I did indeed do that with Diane. Let's talk about Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Uh, sure. Remember Admiral Admiral Morrow, Fleet Admiral Morrow. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I I uh, that was another one of the great experiences on film for me. Uh, I I was not really a Trekkie. I did not care that much for the Star Trek movies, but I found myself at home here in Hollywood, and Robert Jr. was a young kid at the time, and the phone rang, it was my agent, and, I was, I, and, I, and my agent said to me that they, they, they want you to come and meet with uh, Leonard Nimoy uh, um, and the producers to do Star Trek Three, And so I said, Star Trek Three. I, you know, I, I really didn't, you know, I wasn't really into it. Well, Robert Jr. heard me say Star Trek. That's all he needed to hear. He went running through the house. Dad's going to do Star Trek. Dad's going to do Star Trek. And I, so I said to my agent, I'm sure you heard that. So regardless of what, I know I have to do this movie. So, um, and, and I wasn't, you know, I, it wasn't a bad thing. I, I really enjoyed working with, uh, with Chat and with, Nichelle Nichols and all the wonderful people, but Leonard directed that particular one, mm. and uh, and and yes, it was wonderful playing Admiral Morrow, and I didn't realize to play to do a Star Trek movie, and then the after effects, the perks that happened afterwards, I would be invited to different conventions all over the country. I never really went to any of the conventions because, again, even though I enjoyed doing Star Trek, I wasn't into doing the whole after effect and dealing with the Trekkies and the people that were into, that just went gaga about Star Trek. So I didn't do that, but I tell you what I did do. They asked me if, and they would send me these boxes of cards that I would sign with my picture of Admiral Morrow in Star Trek Three, and they paid you for this. And I mean, I would—they would have paid me to do the con- the conventions as well, but I just wouldn't do that. But I have, from that time until now, I every year get a chance to just sign tons and tons of Star Trek cards that they then sell at the conventions or whatever. I mean, they pay me to do it. And I, I tell you, I, I never got cramps in my hand until I started doing Star Trek cards. <laughs> first of all, first of all, they're small, so you have to write for it. It's really wonderful, but it was great. And, and Star Trek Three was one of the movies that people, Trekkies for the most part, remember. Uh, and I get, I mean, you know, my wife and I went to the movie once, and we went to the, up to the to get the tickets, and the man that was selling the tickets was a Trekkie, and he started, he started saying my lines <laughs> from the movie 
to me. And lines that I had forgotten. But this guy knew everything that there was to know about Star Trek Three. And he said, oh, my God. And, I, and they didn't even let me pay for the tickets. They gave me the tickets for free. And this guy, who was the ticket seller, was a Trekkie. And he came out of the booth and walked us into the theater oh. and wanted to introduce me. And I said, no, 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 no. We won't do that. We won't do that. He wanted to introduce me as the Star Trek guy. But anyway, yeah, it, it, it was a wonderful experience for me. Well, I'm a closet Trekkie. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> now, tell us about your early life, the family background growing up, because I want listeners out there to know, you know your roots and where you came from. And where did you perform for the first time? Well, I'm from Washington D.C., and 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 I'm I'm an old person, so I go back a ways. When I was born and raised in Washington D.C., it was maybe less than ten blocks from the White House, but it was the ghetto of all ghettos. It was called the Foggy Bottom, and um, that's where I grew up in in the streets of Washington D.C. My first performance was when my sister Bernice was a recreational counselor in the summer for the school systems. And we went to Francis Junior High School, which was right near my street that I grew up in. And that's where we played basketball and baseball and all. But in the auditorium is where my sister Bernice would put on plays and work with young people that were poets and actors or whatever. Now, I was just running the streets. I, I, I was not interested in being an actor. We always thought actor was, was a sissy thing. And I knew that if I ever got into it, my boys, my buddies that I ran the streets with, would, would get on my case about this sissy thing, about you know acting on a stage. Well, my sister Bernice whom I love dearly. She's gone now. But she was the one that talked me into doing this play. And even though I resisted, and let me tell you, that the way it really happened, my, the, the Hookses, all my family, we have these big toes. And, and, and the big toe, now my, big, my toes are, but my sister, Bernice, had these incredible big, she could write with her toes. She could pick up things with her toes. They were so big. But anyway, <laughs> so she asked me if I would be in this play. It was the Pirates of Penzance, uh, the play that she was doing that summer. And I said, I don't want to be in any play. Come on, my buddies will laugh at me, whatever, whatever. And we would all sleep. We all slept in the same bed, five to a bed. The two girls up front, the three boys in the bottom. And that's how we slept in the ghetto wow. of Washington, D.C. back in the day. Wow. Well, all of a sudden, I, would, my, I refused to do this play for my sister. And she would say, you're going to do my play. You're going to do this play, Bobby Dean. Bobby Dean, of course, is my real name. <clears throat> it's not Robert Hooks. It's Bobby Dean Hooks. I changed it as I became professional in New York. But anyway, so she says, you're going to do my play. So anyway, we're sleeping one night, and all of a sudden, I get this big toe in the real tender spot of my thigh, and she pinched me with her toes, and she squeezed my thighs <laughs> and 
tears came to my eyes, and we couldn't make any noise because my mother wouldn't allow it. And she said, you've got to be in my play, right? You've got to be in this play, right? So I said, okay, okay, I'll do the play. So it was my sister's big toes that got me into theater. So I did this play, and what happened, Sharon, one, the night that we opened, and, w- and what we did, we didn't just do the play at Francis Junior High School's auditorium for the summer. We had to go out to the community, into the community, all the actors, young actors. I was nine years old. Oh, we had to go out, and we had to knock on doors all around Georgetown and all through the Foggy Bottom to let people know that we were doing this play at Francis Junior High, and they had to come. So... So not only so that started me uh, uh, in my community uh, activism uh, with the arts when I was nine. So anyway, so we did this play, and I and 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 I said to my guys that I didn't necessarily want to do it, but my sister, you know, she insisted on my doing it. But I want to tell you when we opened the play, and when we when the curtain went down. We went out on that stage, and the audience was filled with all the community people, people that had never even seen a play before. We got those people into the theater to see this play. And I stood there on the stage with Charlotte Neal and Joyce Brown and all of my buddies that I grew up with that were in the play, and, and, and hearing the applause, hearing people, and I was taking my bow, and people were applauding, and I felt something. I felt something real serious that happened inside me, mm. that this is where I should be. I should be doing this. And I'm nine years old, mind you. Mm. And so that experience, my sister forcing me with her big toes to do this play, mm. started me acting on the stage. That's beautiful. In in your own words, what does acting mean to you, Robert? Well, acting to me, and I I, I got to tell you, it's acting is listening, acting is doing, acting is reacting. I remember after I did this play, walking down the streets of New of of Washington D.C., seeing people, locking my eyes with old people on the streets watching people, talking to people, listening to people, I found myself really and truly building a repertoire within me Mm. of this ability that I thought I had. So acting to me is reacting. Acting to me is living another another in another body or another mind. Acting to me is giving back what you read from the page giving back to the audience that's watching watching or listening to you, whether it's theater or whether it's movies, giving uh, another body and another mind to these characters. And if you can do that, and I think the, 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 the real crux of it is listening, listening to what is happening in that particular story, and then reacting to what it is you hear, playing the character that is not you, but it's somebody else. But the key is listening, following 
that storyline and becoming the person that you are portraying. And that, to me, is acting. Acting is reacting. Acting is listening. And acting is putting your mind and your soul into another body that, you, that somebody has written on a page. Oh, that's fantastic. It, you know, it sounds like even when you're saying after the play, after you had that, that moment, that shift, it sounds as if everyone along your path in the neighborhood and so forth, they, they were put into your little treasure box and you were able to use all of the listening, all of the interaction uh, for characters and, and everything. Is that true, what I'm, what I'm hearing? Or Indeed, and what you're saying is absolutely true. It is a toolbox that any actor has to create. It's like that prop man on a movie that builds a box. They call them boxes. And in that box are all of the different tools that they need for a particular movie or scene or whatever. And, a, and, and an actor has to, to, has to collect from his or her experience in life at the grocery store, at the post office, wherever, on the street, using and building your box, your toolbox of character experiences and things that you can, you definitely will find yourself using in any character that you portray in a play, in a television show, in a movie, on stage, doing poetry, when you can use those characters that you've already experienced and lived with, then you let those characters, those experiences, seep into your performance. That makes it real. Now, if you see actors that are just kind of on stage or in the movies, and there are a lot of them that are just on the surface performing, then you can tell that they're on the surface. But if you see an actor that goes underneath and, 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 and builds from the experiences that they've had in their lifetime, whatever you're doing, wherever you are, you, you build your toolbox. And when you do get a script for the stage or for television or for film, then you can reach back. And sure, you create what the writer gives you, but you have to add to that character your experience in life, your mm-hmm. life's experience. And that makes the character much more interesting and gives the character more dimension. And that's what you're after when you want to talk about acting dimension, levels. Uh, You can tell when an actor, and we see it a lot on television and in film too, where actors just kind of play the character, and sometimes they're very interesting and they're funny, and but they don't go deep enough to really grab the audience uh, and make them really and truly understand who they are as characters, and that's what I believe in. That's what I teach when I when when I did teach. I don't teach anymore, but the theater companies that I've started, and perhaps we have enough time to talk about that as well. But that's what you do when you teach actors what to do when they read a character on a page and make that character come to life. Yeah, yeah. We we have to thank Bernice, your sister, and also nine years old is when you. 
really started building this, and that's why you're so powerful as an actor. We're going to take a break for commercial, but we'll be right back with consummate actor, producer Robert Hooks. If you'd like to reach us at Voice America's Why We Are Here, to let us know what's on your heart and mind, then kindly email us at Sharon at whywearehere.info. We'll be right back with our special guest, Robert Hooks. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. Wouldn't you love to experience formidable personal transformational changes to highly benefit your life and those around you? Do you want to eradicate anything holding you back from living with focused clarity in a harmonious lifestyle of the highest of intent, vitality, and abundant well-being? Empowerment coach, energy healer, and visionary author Sharon Rose Washington is here to assist you in the revolution of your evolutionary self. In these unpredictable times, it is important to connect with one's own pure inner power base of expansive creativity heightened intuition, and radiant fulfillment. To contact visionary Sharon Rose Washington for information or to make an appointment, call 323-960-5167 or email Sharon at whywearehere.info for a free introductory consultation. For immediate empowerment coaching and energetic transformational healing services, please call 866-231-HEAL. That's 866-231-HEAL. It's time to celebrate the joyful life of the authentic origin you were meant to live. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. Welcome back to Why We Are Here with empowerment coach, energy healer, and visionary author Sharon Rose Washington. If you have a question about the program or would like to share a comment, please send an email to Sharon at whywearehere.info. That's Sharon at whywearehere.info. Now, back to the show. And we are back with our special guest, iconic actor, producer, activist, Robert Hooks. Hi, Robert. Welcome back. Hey, Sharon. It's nice to be here with you. You have a rich legacy that you've started and your children have followed on through and their careers in the entertainment industry. Can you talk just a minute about your children and some of their projects as well? Oh, I'd be more than happy to. As a matter of fact, one of the things that pleases me most is uh, what my offspring, my children, are into. Uh, I have three sons that are in the industry. Uh, I have five sons all told and one daughter. Uh, the daughter's not in the industry, but a wonderful, wonderful young, not so young anymore, but uh, uh, living in Texas and uh, two sons back east. The sons here, I have three sons here in Los Angeles that are filmmakers, all three of them. Uh, my first son is probably one of the, one of the busiest uh, directors uh, producer directors in the industry and that's Kevin 
Uh, Kevin started out as an actor uh, when he was, as a matter of fact, he was nine years old when he did a, a, a show, a CBS special, Christmas special called JT. Uh, and uh, that was the beginning of his career. And um, he has since, you know, people remember him from um, TV series like uh, The White Shadow and and he did a movie with Cicely Tyson and Paul Winfield that was up for all kinds of Academy Award nominations called Sounder. But he turned director after he left the, um, the show, um, um, The White Shadow, and he turned director, and he's been directing ever since. And he still looks like he's like 20 years old, but he's really older, much older. He's been <laughs> directing for 25 years. Uh, so he's directing and producing, and I'm very, very proud of the things that he's done uh, in film, uh, feature film, and in television. And as a matter of fact, Kevin, um, my, he's my oldest son, and he is now, as a matter of fact, just now, he is in South Africa doing the pre-production stuff on a, a six-part miniseries that he is going to produce and direct on Nelson Mandela. So Kevin will be doing that special uh, six-part miniseries on Nelson Mandela. He's just in, he's just now over casting and doing all kinds of location and meeting the production people that he'll be working with. Uh, from now until the end of the year, he'll be in South Africa making the movie called Mandiba, uh, oh. Madiba. Which is uh, which was Nelson's uh, nickname, sort of father of all fathers, Madiba, and uh, he'll be producing and directing that. Uh, my younger my younger son, Rob Jr. Robert Jr., whose whose name is Rob Hooks, is also a a filmmaker and he's directing small films. And Christopher, my son Christopher, is also an actor and a filmmaker, and uh, they're all. Um, uh, doing their thing out here in Los Angeles. So I'm very proud of uh, my three sons that are in the industry, following, I guess, in their dad's footsteps, but having making miles and miles of their own making. And so that makes me very proud. Yes. You're recognized uh, as being accredited for breaking the color barriers in the industry, and, and I personally want to thank you. Uh, what were the times like when you were getting your first roles? And, and I also want to mention the Visionary Project where you hosted uh, the show for a while on WABC. Uh, you're talking about uh, Like It Is, or the, 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 yes. um, the, the, yes. the show Like It Is. Yeah, but no, I, I'm, you know, yes, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm the first, I have a lot of firsts going for me. Uh, um, I'm I, Became the show that prompted me to move to New York from Philadelphia was the first play written by a black woman uh, playwright, and uh, it was the play that I saw when I was studying acting in Philadelphia, and uh, it just prompted me after I saw the play to move to New York because I knew that that's what I had to do, and the play was A Raisin in the Sun, which of course was the Lorraine Hansberry's. Uh, piece that was done uh, that was the first play uh, produced by a black woman uh, playwright on Broadway and that was my first so that was a first 
And then I also, after I had done that, I did a few other Broadway plays. I've done eight Broadway plays, which is a lot of Broadway plays, but I've done a lot of off-Broadway plays. But um, the, uh, the NYPD was the first black uh, detective drama on, on American television. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and that was uh, I co-starred with Jack Warden and Frank Converse on that, and that was a, just a brilliant uh, television series that was produced in New York, and it was called NYPD, New York Police Department, and all the stories that we did were from the files, the actual files of the New, of the uh, the, the uh, New York Police Department. Uh, that was a David Susskind um, production. Uh, and um, that was probably uh, at the time was my you know I was I was uh, well known for for being the first black detective uh, in a drama uh, on television. And from that, you know, I did a lot of other stuff on television and all. But you know, my television credits are you know, needless to say, too many to mention, but all in the history books, so you can read about them. I know. What, what's some of your favorite um, roles or some of the shows that you worked with in television? You can name several of them. Everyone well, out I there can. knows them. I can't. That's just it. I can't. No, I, I, uh, uh, NYPD, of course, was, uh, was, was the one that really, you know, stands out. But then, you know, when I came, uh, well, even before I came to Hollywood, I was coming out here to do many, many um, um, shows. Um, one of the special shows I did was a, <clears throat> where John F. Kennedy wrote a book called Profiles in Courage. Mm-hmm. And, and from that book was uh, a series was done called Profiles in Courage. And the, the black character that was featured was Frederick Douglass, which is one of my favorite people of all time. And Same I here. was asked and I was asked to do young Frederick Douglass in Profiles and Courage. That was a, a, one of my favorites. And then of course there were many, many after that and if I could just reach back, uh, there was a show called Sophisticated Gents. And that was a show that I worked with a lot of of wonderful black actors, uh, Ron O'Neill, Dick Anthony Williams, Raymond St. Jacques, uh, Melvin Van Peebles, Rosie Greer, Bernie Casey, um, Falmus Rasulallah, mm. uh, and it was called Sophisticated Gents. And there were a lot of women in uh, that, that were wives and girlfriends of the gents. Denise Nicholas, Rosalind Cash, Alfred Woodard, Marla Gibbs, um, just a lot of very, very Janet McLaughlin, um, a lot of wonderful people in that, and that was called Sophisticated Gents. And I also did a woman called Moses, the Cicely Tyson movie uh, uh, for television, um, written by the great writer, no longer with us, named Lonnie Elder the mm-hmm. Third, who also wrote Sounder, the movie, uh, which I was not in, but a lot of people confused because my sons were in it. They said, oh, yeah, weren't you in Sounder? No, no, <laughs> that was Paul Williams. That was Paul Williams, yeah. played the father in Sounder. But both the boys in it were my sons, yeah. Kevin and Eric, as a matter of fact. 
So a lot of television stuff, Sharon, uh, you know, too many to name. Uh, I can't even remember most of the stuff that I've done. But very important, uh, groundbreaking uh, uh, for for black uh, material, black writers, black directors. Ivan Dixon directed uh, directed me in, uh, well, feature films. I mean, when you talk about feature films, I've done several of those, one of which uh, I'm kind of sort of famous for called Trouble Man, uh, mm-hmm. where I play Mr. T, and Ivan Dixon directed me in that one. And uh, but you know, I'm I, as an actor, I, I've done many, many, many movies and television shows that, and you know, on Broadway as well, that I just can't recall, and it's not even important that I recall them. Uh, just to say that I've done tons of them. Yes, you have a very, very rich heritage and background in television, film, and motion picture. How important is giving back? It's it's the most important. It's the most important, and it's what really disturbs me about black success stories. And I'm talking about black actors, black sports people, black singers, black comedians. Black. Giving back is so, so important. Now, I've given back most of my life. As a matter of fact, my career would have been much, much, much further along, and I would have made a lot of those millions and millions of dollars that the actors are making these days. But um, that's not where I came from. That's not where my head is. And, you know, although I did okay uh, financially, uh, um, I, I spent most of my life giving back. And giving back is so important. Uh, and, and that's what I try to impart to the, the successful black artists and celebrities in the industry. It's so, so easy to give back, but it is something that is so difficult for people to do. And I mean, you know, uh, I think that any actor, for instance, is from any actor, any black actor is from a city from a community, if that successful actor would just go back to that community and just build something, start a theater company, put your name on it, it doesn't have to, you don't even have to use your own money because if you're a big star, you don't have to use your own money. People will give you money to start something in the community. But people, black performers, black artists, just don't do it enough. Now, some do. But not many of the named successful people do it. Now, it's easy to write a check to the boys' club and the girls' club and write a check. It's easy to do that because then you write it off your income tax and you say, oh, I've done something for the community. No. Lend your name. Give back something to the community that people can really see. Drive down the street and see a theater for the, in the black community with your name on it. That yes. means something, but yes. it doesn't happen, and it should happen. If, if the great uh, Paul Robeson were to see where uh, actors and performers today of color are, what do you think he would say or feel about the industry? Well, he'd be disappointed. He'd be, dis- he'd be happy for the people that have made a, a, you know, a success in the industry. He'd be very disappointed, like I just t- try to try to impart, mm-hmm. about people not giving back. I mean, the easiest thing in the world to do 
when you are successful and you're making tons and tons of money. I mean, you know, the money that these people are making. Let's just take Denzel Washington for an example. He's okay. a dear friend of mine. I have nothing against Denzel. Only praise for Denzel for his work and his success in the industry. But if Denzel Washington and let's just take a handful of successor, Denzel Washington, Will Smith, uh, Jamie Foxx, if these people, let's take five of them, or maybe seven of them, you know who they are, we don't have to call their names, but they're making tons of money. If they would just put their thinking caps on, come together and share, they could build a studio. Mm-hmm. They could build a, a, a movie studio, for crying out loud, and, 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 and wouldn't have to spend any of the money, and that's what they're afraid of. You see, when you ask uh, these successful uh, artists to give something back, immediately they think, oh, well, you know, I don't want to lose what I got. <clears throat> I don't want to rock the boat, whatever, whatever. And you don't have to rock the boat. Just give back. And that's, to me, the most important thing that doesn't happen in the black community. You know, it's interesting uh, when I've asked this question before and some of the defense of some of the people is that, oh, well, I haven't had it that long. I've I've just gotten it. And like you say, there's a fear of giving it up. But when I listen to someone like you and where you came from, then it's simply just an excuse just because it's one generation of money, but it's millions and millions of dollars versus, you know, others that have had generational money, you know, four or five, six generations in this country. You are literally letting us know that that's just an excuse. It, all it is, that's all it is. And, you know, look, I love these people. I love my brothers and my sisters. I wish them well. I'm happy for their success. But that's what you just said to me is a lot of bullshit, and I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not true. You don't have to worry about losing what you have. Because what you have is what you have. Nobody can take that away from you. Nobody can take Will Smith. Will Smith, Will, and I just use him as an example. I don't like throwing names out there because then people say, oh, you know, Robert Hooks was talking about Will Smith. <laughs> I, forget him. Forget the name. Just think about the success stories that we have in the industry today. If they would just give back, and they don't have to use their own money. They don't have to use their own money. If I wanted to start a theater company, for instance, and I went to Will Smith and I said, look, you know, like, I want to start a theater company and I want to put your name on this theater company. Make it the Will Smith Repertory Company. I could then, if he said yes, I could then take that to the bank. He doesn't have to spend any of his money. I... If I can take your name and use your name to further the cause of young black artists in the community, then that's all I need. I don't need your money. All I need is your name. All I need is your commitment. But they, of course, use that as an example. It's an excuse. And you said it. Yeah. Yeah, I I actually believe in infinite supply. So, I mean, that's how I have how I, how I roll. <laughs> and it's an, right. And that's the right, right way to roll. And look, you know, again, I'm happy for all of our brothers and sisters' successes. I'm happy for them. I would like for them to keep making the millions and millions, but for Christ's sake, give something back. Yeah. 
Well, we have to take another break for commercial, and we'll be right back with our phenomenal guest, Robert Hooks. In the meantime, you'll find me on Twitter at Sharon Isis Rose. Email us at Sharon at whywearehere.info if you have any questions. And please go to IsisRoseCreations.com on the contact page to share with us your take on why we are here. Make sure to sign to win a few gifts and prizes for listening to our broadcast. We want to thank you for being such a great listener. Please stay tuned for the following announcement. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Wouldn't you love to experience formidable, personal, transformational changes to highly benefit your life and those around you? Do you want to eradicate anything holding you back from living with focused clarity in a harmonious lifestyle of the highest of intent, vitality, and abundant well-being? Empowerment coach, energy healer, and visionary author Sharon Rose Washington is here to assist you in the revolution of your evolutionary self. In these unpredictable times, it is important to connect with one's own pure inner power base of expansive creativity heightened intuition, and radiant fulfillment. To contact visionary Sharon Rose Washington for information or to make an appointment, call 323-960-5167 or email Sharon at whywearehere.info for a free introductory consultation. For immediate empowerment coaching and energetic transformational healing services, please call 866-231-HEAL. That's 866-231-HEAL. It's time to celebrate the joyful life of the authentic origin you were meant to live. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to share success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Hear about personal growth, building a better business, inspirational life stories, and personal branding. You'll find it every day at voiceamericaempowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Welcome back to Why We Are Here with empowerment coach, energy healer, and visionary author Sharon Rose Washington. If you have a question about the program or would like to share a comment, please send an email to Sharon at whywearehere.info. That's Sharon at whywearehere.info. Now, back to the show. Hello, welcome back once again with your host, I'm Sharon Rose Washington, and our celebrated guest, Robert Hooks. Welcome back, Robert. Thank you very much, Sharon. We have a couple of questions sent in to Sharon at whywearehere.info. Are you ready to answer a few questions from our listeners? Of course. We have Tahara C., She's from Brooklyn, New York. Tahara wants to know, is there anyone you worked with in your career early on that changed everything for you as an actor? Meaning, did you learn from someone while interacting with them? She's an actress looking for inspiration. Well, um, actually, there were several, but I can name, uh, name, name just a couple. Roscoe Lee Brown was uh, one, of the, one of the great actors that well, just sat me down one day to say, you have everything that there is for you to have. You just have to realize that you have it. 
I thought I had realized it, but he saw some weaknesses in my performance or whatever. And after uh, I had that talk, and actually worked with Roscoe Lee Brown uh, in the play called The Blacks Off-Broadway, <clears throat> he, to me, is one of the most influential uh, actors that I've worked with. Now, James Baldwin and Langston Hughes were also friends of mine, were writers, and they influenced me just as a cultural kind of activist and a person that understood literature for black culture. So James Baldwin, Langston Hughes, and Roscoe Lee Brown on the stage would be three people that I can say influenced me tremendously. Okay. Harrison B. is from San Clemente, California. He wants to know... What do you think an actor should do while waiting for their big break? He's married. His wife is the sole supporter. She's a school teacher, but she wants him to work as well as audition and act. Well, I think the uh, needless to say, um, acting is you know, there's not guaranteed that you're going to going to find that much work. First off, so find yourself a very very good job and work that job and work on your acting abilities and make sure that you find a good, strong workshop to go and hone your craft. And so when that opportunity does uh, come up, you'll be ready when you walk into that audition uh, to do your thing. But between between uh, training and jobs, uh, work, find whatever work you can find. If it's, a, you know, it doesn't matter what it is, but you must busy yourself working and training your instrument as well. Okay. Skyla R. is from Reno, Nevada. Skyla wants to know um, if you're offered a part on a stage play and the producer and casting feels you're perfect, but there's another part you feel you're suited for, what should you do? And both are principal characters in this particular play, she says. Well, it's not your call, first of all. I, I, it, you know, if you're going to do, if you're being cast in a play, you've got to play the role that the director and the producer wants you to play. Now, after you get into that play and you f- do your thing on stage, then you might corner the producer or the director and then say, <clears throat> consider me for this role or that role. But take the role. Take the role that's offered you and give it everything that you can, everything that you have. And then, you know, if you find an opportunity uh, to to talk to the producer and director about other roles uh, and something may happen to another actor or another actor may leave, you let those let the producer and director know that you are ready and willing to play that other role. But don't play any role short. In, in a play. All roles are important in a play. If it's not the role you want, not the role you think you want, then somebody else gets it, okay, fine. But you take that role that they offer you, and you make the best of it, and you'll find yourself, perhaps later on, playing the role that you want to play. Okay, we have one more question. Morton is from Vancouver, Canada. Morton wants to know, do you feel more opportunities are opening up for independent filmmakers? Oh, yes, for sure. I think cable has uh, opened the door very, very wide uh, to to give uh, filmmakers um, 
the 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 opportunities that they didn't have. Uh, if you have a short film, you may be able to get it done on cable, uh, and uh, you know because cable needs uh, they need content, and uh, so so I just think that cable has opened a wide door for filmmakers to do their thing. Independent films, yeah, if you can do if you can find uh, funding to do your independent small film, then fine. But I just think that uh, don't wait around uh, to look for the, uh, the, you know, the opportunity of a lifetime. Grab whatever you can grab. If you have a small film, then you go out and you hustle and you, 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 you try to get the funding for that film. But I think that cable and the fact that cable is now with us, cable has opened the door for many, many filmmakers who couldn't get films done feature films or small films done in the mainstream of filmmaking, but can now get them done in cable. Okay. Robert, what's your take on why we are here? I think that why we're here is a perfect title, and I think uh, what you do when you bring your guests on, you will find out why we're here from what you get from your guests. Okay. Why are you here? Well, I'm here because I believe in you, first of all. I believe that you have, and I've known you for many, many years. I haven't seen you in ages, but I know the talent, and I knew the talent when I knew you early on. And when I heard that you were doing uh, uh, the show, I thought, what a perfect uh, um, vehicle for Sharon Rose Washington to be uh, hosting, so so I'm I'm here because of you, my dear. Now I don't mind talking about forever about the things that I do and the things that I believe in, but I wanted to do your show because of you. Okay, thank you. I have one last question. I'm in love with Matrix movies, and I ask everyone: Do you take the red pill or the blue pill? <laughs> I don't know too much about the Matrix, the Matrix films. I must confess. Uh, so the colors of the pill, of pills don't uh, mean that much to me. So forgive me for that. I enjoyed the films, but I, I see so many films because I'm a member of the Academy and I'm a member of the Foreign Language Film Committee. So I see movies until they're coming out of my ears. And so I can't recall the blue pill or the red pill. Those are colors. <laughs> Thank you so much, Robert Hooks, for coming on the show. It's been an honor having you on. It's my pleasure. And now for my final thought. My luminary guest today, actor, producer, and activist Robert Hooks, is highly accomplished in the field of stage, screen, and television. Through his work, he demonstrates how integrity is key and how even a young boy of humble beginnings from Washington, D.C., can live his dream if he only believes. His wife and children are a living of his legacy, and the remarkable talent will continue to be present through generations to come. Anyone who's worked with Robert Hooks in any capacity can attest to the fact that they've been in the most gracious of company. The success of his powerful work resonates throughout the entertainment industry, and many that have made it are standing on his shoulders. I'm so grateful to have this slice of precious time, this defining moment, as a noteworthy treasure for the archives. What a blessing to have actor and activist Robert Hooks as a friend and a guest on Why We Are Here. We all have to take a moment to pause in wonder and to pontificate on why we are here. No life is meaningless. No breath is wasted. We are all a beautiful, intricate part of creation making life happen. Remember, the kingdom queendom lies within. Stay rooted in Mother Earth 
and lifted by Father Sky as you continue to walk side by side with the ancestors and angels. Until next time, please keep me in your heart, and I promise to always keep you in mine. Have an enchanting evening. I'm your host, empowerment coach, healer, and visionary author, Sharon Rose Washington. We hope you've enjoyed listening to visionary author Sharon Rose Washington and her insightful luminary guest. Please join us for another powerfully transformative show next Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on Why We Are Here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For questions, information, and appointments, Sharon can be reached at Sharon at whywearehere.info. Or for direct empowerment coaching and healing, call 866-231-HEAL. That's 866-231-HEAL. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.